You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We rely on the financial support of listeners like yourself to keep going. If you'd like to support diverse voices on your radio, go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Here we are, the Anarchist World This Week, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. <coughs> this is what happens when you eat toast in the morning, you know, you start coughing. And if you listen to this program in the evening, maybe I ate toast in the evening, who knows? Okay, this is the Anarchist World This Week, wondering what anarchy is all about? No, it's not about coughing when you eat toast. Anarchos without rulers. What's the Anarchist <laughs> mission? I like that mission, to create a society without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? Well, you find out what gives rulers the ability to exercise power. And it's very simple. It's hierarchy and wealth. So the anarchist struggles the struggle to destroy hierarchy or replace it with horizontal structures and the struggle not just to create wealth but to distribute wealth on an equal basis. That's what anarchy is all about. If you're interested in that, keep listening. If you're not, bad luck. Go out there and make a million dollars or two million or become a billionaire and exploit the world and uh, help the planet Earth on its way to extinction. So you've got options. People say, oh, I've got no options. You do have options. We always have options. Even though little options, we always have options. Okay, <clears throat> look, um, nothing to see. Move on, move on. Nothing to see. I'm a little bit disgusted. Today, well, I'm usually annoyed, but I'm actually disgusted today because some really important statistics came out today, which give us an insight into the type of society we are. And uh, if you look at the uh, media garbage over the past uh, week or so, especially in the corporate-owned media and to a lesser extent in the government guild at ABC, you kind of this thing, this topic has kind of just fallen off the uh, horizon fallen off the edge of the earth if you're a flat earther just fallen away into the into space and what i'm talking about is children out of a population of around 25 million we have 5.5 million children which is about 20 percent oh that's very nice isn't it we all love kitties don't we all like to pat them on the head give them birthday parties you know we all love kitties don't we well we do have a children's commissioner in this country. After a lot of pushing and shoving, we had a, a children's commissioner appointed, and uh, she's given her yearly report, which was which was quite fascinating. 
and it should have been front page news on every social media site, you know, on every on every radio station, on every uh, television station, on every uh, legacy media site, and every you know every new media site. This should have been the topic for discussion for the next month. <clears throat> well, what did the Children's Commissioner find? Well, that. Of those 5.5 million children, one in six were living in poverty. That's right. This isn't Bangladesh. It's not Bangladesh. It's not Bolivia. Australia. One, you know, one in six. That's almost one million Australian children living in poverty. It actually gets better than that. 20% of parents said they didn't actually have the money to provide the medicines that their children required. And to a significant degree, this is a self-replicating issue. I remember when Mr Hawke talked about, the late Mr Hawke talked about, the late Prime Minister about no children living in poverty by 1990. And it seems to be an issue that we cannot tackle as a nation and as a a relatively rich nation, not a poor nation, you know, billions of people, but a rich nation with 25 million people. We have one million children living in poverty in 2019 and we're told... Nothing to see, move on, move on, or we just shrug our shoulders and say, well, that's the way it is. That's the way it'll always be. Well, <clears throat> let's not forget, if people shrug their shoulders and say that's the way it'll always be, we still have slavery. We'd still have child prostitution, you know, legalised child prostitution, and the list goes on and on. That's right. One million children living in poverty. Now, I find these statistics extraordinary. These, are, these aren't numbers which I've pulled out of the uh, atmosphere or out of the stratosphere. These are numbers which have been put together by the department which uh, you know, assists the Children's Commissioner every year. One million Australian children living in poverty. And it is not an issue. It is not seen as an issue. And I think to a significant degree, this highlights the, you know, second-rate country we've become. Well, we do have a divide, a real divide. And that divide is based on the concept of disposable income, which is a fancy word to say is the amount of money you've got left after you've paid your immediate bills, you know, rent, rates, mortgage, food, electricity, gas, car, the list goes on and on. And we are finding with uh, a no-wage growth economy that more and more and more and more people are surviving through the accumulation of debt. And we're finding more and more Australians find themselves in a situation where they're living a hand-to-mouth existence. We don't see 
starvation on the streets. But what we do see is structural inequality. What we see is a system of government and institutions which are structured in such a way as to ensure that inequality continues to be a significant feature in this country. And to a significant degree, this is due to the fact that we have a public-private school divide and that the private schooling sector is heavily, and the key word is <coughs> heavily, subsidised by both the federal and state government. Heavily subsidised. So what we find is that we have a handicap race in this country. And it starts at birth. And all those measures which were put in place during the social revolutions of the 60s and early 70s to create a social elevator to give all children the ability to claw their way out of that situation have now been rescinded and removed. Removed by legislation. So that what we see is the growth of poverty, the growth of inequality, the inversion of the principle of trickle-down economics, where what we've seen is an economic system which has defied gravity, which would have made Isaac Newton stand on his head. The apple doesn't fall to the ground. The apple keeps going up and up. It's the same with income. And on every social indicator, on every economic indicator... What we've seen during the last 40 years, and I'll use those fancy words again, during the privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, deregulation, revolution, what we have seen is all the gains that were made through the revolts and rebellions of the 20th and 19th century reversed. That's right, reversed. And nothing highlights this more than the fact that although one million Australian children out of a total population of 25 million, out of 5.5 million children, that's almost one in six, are living in poverty, and people say, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Well, it's a matter of political will. We can do things if there is that political desire to do things. And that political desire comes from community pressure. And if people turn on themselves, as we see constantly in this country, where we kind of you know, think the enemy is somebody who wears a funny hat or uh, speaks a different language or... It just doesn't look quite right. Maybe their beard's a bit long. And we fight amongst each other on these trivial 
issues, we begin to reap what we've sown over the past 40 years. So keep those facts in mind. And remember, no child needs to live in poverty. If we've got a society which is based on principles that would allow each individual to develop themselves to their fullest potential. And we've spoken about this before, and we'll speak about it again. And when I'm dead, somebody else will speak about it. But like the campaign to abolish slavery, which lasted over 300 years, it will we will eventually find ourselves in a situation where no child will live in poverty because we do not believe or want children to live in poverty because it's a self-perpetuating um, story, self-perpetuating story in an era when jobs for people with minimal skills are hard to find, all we're doing is creating a significant underclass of people who have no no uh, future. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. Now, I, l- I like the word hypocrisy. It's a great word. It really is a wonderful word, hypocrisy. And um, nothing highlights hypocrisy more than the reaction <coughs> by government. He says as he's trying to contain his coughing, by government, especially the Australian government and Australian media, regarding what's going on in Hong Kong. Now, I'd like to give you a tale of two cities, and I'm talking about Hong Kong and Melbourne. Let's look at Hong Kong in China and Melbourne in Australia. In both areas, there have been protests, obviously much more significant in Hong Kong than they have been in Melbourne. But about two weeks ago, there was this piddly little protest, the IMARC protest, outside a mining convention for a few hundred people. And the media went into overdrive, total overdrive. And we saw the Victoria Police take out the fist from the velvet glove. And we saw over 100 arrests in a piddly, little protest of a few hundred people, maybe a thousand at the very maximum at its height. A gross overreaction by Victoria Police, by the government guild at ABC, and particularly by the corporate-owned media and federal politicians of all political hues who couldn't fall over themselves to tell us what evil people these protesters were and that they all should have their uh, benefits, if they're on Social Security benefits, stripped away for having the audacity to protest. 
That's Australia 2019. Then we see the protests in Hong Kong. And it's quite fascinating that in Victoria, where I'm familiar with the laws, very familiar, it is illegal to wear a mask. Illegal. End of story. Legislation passed. No constitutional protections. It is illegal to wear a mask. And that came about as a government reaction to the fact that some people were covering their faces during demonstrations. We saw the same legislation passed in Hong Kong, and guess what? The High Court in Hong Kong found the legislation was unconstitutional. The actual legislation was illegal. And although we see a scale of violence by police and reaction by protesters in Hong Kong, that dwarfed, dwarfs what happened at the IMARC protest two weeks ago, the media response is totally subdued. Now, could you imagine, think about it, could you imagine if the students at uh, Melbourne University occupied the university for a variety of reasons and then defended themselves against a police onslaught. Could you imagine the hue and cry in the corporate-owned media, the legacy media, social media, the government girl at ABC, the, you know, the police, the federal police, the government of the day, the opposition regarding what was happening. When you compare the two, the two cities, Hong Kong and Melbourne, you can actually see that this country is full of hypocrites. Hypocrites who are only willing to protect demonstrators if it suits their economic and political interests. Let's not forget what happened with the collapse of the Soviet Union and the collapse of the, uh, you know, the state, com- state capitalism. It's not communism, state capitalism in Eastern Europe, where we saw individuals take over state-owned enterprises and become billionaires, and we see this, the continuing effects in these countries of the domination of their uh, economy and their political life by people whose sole imperative is to maximise profits irrespective of the human, social, environmental costs. Think about it. There is a third way. That's what anarchism is about. It is a third way. It's not about state capitalism, where the state owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication and sets the political, social and cultural agenda, as we see to a significant degree in China and totally in North Korea. And it's not an economy or a culture based on the domination of every aspect of our life 
by unaccountable corporations whose major responsibilities to their major shareholders to increase their profits, irrespective of the cost to the environment, to the community, to individuals, to the nation-state, as long as they make a buck and get their franking credits. It's not about that. It's about creating a different type of society, a society without rulers, a society where wealth is held in common, a society which is based on direct democratic principles, not principles of electing representatives to make decisions for you for the next three to four years, but actually making decisions about policy and then implementing those decisions through a system of recallable delegates. Different way of organising society, a different way of ensuring that we don't actually have one in six Australian children living in poverty and 20% of Australians say they can't afford medicines for their kids. And let's not forget that when you look at statistics, over 20% of Australians do not fulfil their prescriptions from their doctors because they don't actually have the disposable income, the money, to actually buy those medications. Think about it. This is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Yes, you can write to me. I do enjoy receiving letters. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20. Parkville 3052, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me on anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com or info at pibci, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Look at my YouTube channel, or Public Interest Before Corporate Interest YouTube channel. I try, and the keyword is try, to do one um, YouTube presentation a week. Have a look. There's about 40 or 50 up now. Been doing them since early this year. Uh, different topics. Sometimes the topics are repeated, depending on what's happening. Have a look at those YouTube presentations. You can go to Facebook pages, my personal Facebook page, Joseph Toscano, or Toscano for the Public. Then there's Public Interest Before Corporate... In- sorry, the Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, Pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net. You can always join, Pipsy dot net. It's all very well to write... But unless you've got a political organisation that is actually able to put forward logical, coherent ideas and policies forward to win people's hearts and mind, things don't change. They just don't change. So think about, you know, if you're one of these people who thinks that change is impossible, there's no point, well, move on. But if you think there is change is possible... And, you know, to be an activist, you need to be in love with hope. That's right. Hope, the love child of desire and expectation, the desire that things can change and the expectation that things will change. So what I sell on the Anarchist World this week, well, give away for free, that's right, is hope. It's about hope. And hope becomes reality when people work towards a common goal. Let's move on. Now, if you're an Australian, you should be very, very concerned. 
especially when the ministry of everything gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger under the control of uh, uh, Mr. Dutton. Bigger and bigger and bigger. You see, because our country, well, it's not our country, their country, I shouldn't really use the word our country, it's their country. They own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. If you're lucky, you're paying off a mortgage for the next 30 to 40 years. And if you're unlucky, you're renting. And if you're really unlucky, you're homeless. And the key is an unlucky. Exploited is the word. So we all think that we live in this wonderful, free society that we have a book, not the Bible, not the Koran, not the Torah, not the Hindu scriptures, but a book, a little book, a little booklet. It's actually not a book, it's a booklet called the Australian Constitution. The Australian Constitution. The Australian Constitution, I'll say it again and again and again. This is the document which came out in 1901 after a 10-year discussion and after voting in every state where the state, different colonies, voted to federate as a nation, which regulates the type of institutions we have and the type of so-called freedoms we have. And the wonderful thing about the Australian Constitution, it is the only constitution in the Western world which has no individual protection, no protection for the individual from the arbitrary exercise of state power. Now, we have these wonderful people telling us on a day-to-day basis that we have freedom of association, that we have freedom of speech. I mean, all these wonderful freedom before the law. (laughs) That's the funniest one. Freedom before the law. Everybody's equal. Justice is blind. The only thing about justice is she basically, you know, has got a back pocket. If you fill it with cash, that scale goes up in the other direction, but that's a different story. That everybody has the chance to have a great education through a second-rate public education sector, and we've all got access to wonderful medical care, and the list goes on and on. So let's look at these constitutional protections. Because we've got seven individuals, they call high court judges, who are appointed by the government of the day, and they tend to be a political appointments, because it is nice to have something, somebody in the high court which agrees with your distorted view of the world, so when we come up with this great, you know, uh, some issue, which you'll never get to the High Court, you haven't got the millions of dollars necessary to get to the High Court, but they do, some great issue, you hope the seven High Court judges rule in your favour. And it's quite fascinating. Freedom of speech. We're told we have freedom of speech in this country. You don't have freedom of speech. The only freedom of speech that you have is the freedom that the state and the Commonwealth governments allow you to have. There is no section about freedom of speech in the Australian Constitution, at least 
in American constitution, you've got the First Amendment. And with Julian Assange fighting extradition to the United States of America, and it was very nice of the Swedes to drop their rape investigations, wasn't it? Very nice. Give the United States a clear way by which to extradite Mr Julian Assange, an Australian citizen who the Australian government does nothing for, back to America to be incarcerated for the rest of his life, under the US Constitution, he does have freedoms. Now, the United States government is fighting tooth and nail to extradite him, and then it's trying to say that he was not a journalist. Because if he's a journalist, he has protections under the First Amendment in the Australian Constitution. Sorry, in the United States Constitution. In Australia, you have no protections as a journalist. And journalists are beginning to find this out. Ten years after all these laws have come into place, which have stripped us of our basic freedoms, 80 or 90 of them, the journalist associations are beginning to find out that it's actually directed at them also. Whistleblower protection. The United States, no whistleblower protection here. None. Let's get back to all these freedoms that we supposedly have. How about freedom of association? Well, do you know... Oh, I'm sure you do, but you may not. But you know it's, it's illegal to withdraw your labour in Australia under current legislation, except during a so-called enterprise bargaining period where you jump through hoops in order to get a vote to go on a you know, uh, you know, pathetic you know, six-hour strike. I mean, we're all jumping up and down about the, you know, about the fact what's happening in Russia and China and North Korea. But when it comes to what's happening in Australia, where legislation is in place which will allow a government to remove a trade union official and deregister a trade union if they're not happy with their policies, with the way they conduct themselves... Not a court case, but, a, you know, at the minister's discretion. And the fact that you can't withdraw your labour, and if you do withdraw your labour, you can be fined $10,000 a day as an individual and your union can be bankrupted. And we've seen this legislation come into place. And that if you're a member of the uh, CFMMEU, Construction, Forestry, Mining, Maritime and Energy Union, that you have fewer rights than somebody who's tried to import, you know, 100 kilos of crystal meth into this country. Because you have no right under legislation to refuse to answer any questions. And if, if you refuse to answer the questions, you can be jailed or fined. Bang. Legislation. And why can they pass that legislation? Because there is no constitutional protection for the individual against the arbitrary exercise of state power. And if both houses of federal parliament pass legislation tomorrow to say that, you know... Uh, 
two-year-old children with green eyes were the spawn of the devil and should be incarcerated for life, they can be incarcerated for life under our Constitution. Because about 15 years ago, the High Court was asked to rule on the indefinite detention of an asylum seeker who'd been in jail for over 10 years, whether it was legal, and the High Court shrugged its shoulders and said, well, under the current constitutional arrangements, it is legal to indefinitely detain people with no charge. So there are no constitutional protections. If you think there are constitutional protections, look at the face mask laws in Victoria. And if you think there is a human rights charter to the, uh, the Victorian Constitution, think again. The Victorian Constitution, as most state constitutions, is set up by Parliament. It doesn't go to a vote of the people. It is created by Parliament. It is a creature of Parliament. And if you think you've got constitutional protection, look at the way the Anti-Discrimination Act was revoked, pushed aside with the Howard government intervention into Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities in 2004 where they sent in the armed forces. And then it gets better. Under current legislation, you can be swept off the street, held in detention for 15 days. Nobody can be told that you've been held in detention. you just disappeared. You can be interrogated because the authorities think that you may inadvertently have information which may assist them in their investigations. And if you refuse to answer questions, you can be jailed for up to seven years. Now, I'm sure the Chinese Communist Party and Mr Putin would love to have laws like that on their statute books, and I'm sure they do. But we have on our statute books because the Australian Constitution is essentially a document which regulates the relationship between the central government, that's the federal government, and the states. It has nothing to do with individual freedom. The situation is so ludicrous, the High Court found an implied right in the Australian Constitution to freedom of speech during an election campaign because they ruled in, you know, in their wisdom you couldn't have an election if you couldn't have people, you know, talking about their policies. So you must have freedom of speech in that situation. They found that implied right. So when you've got to find implied rights in a constitution, you're really, really pushing shit uphill, aren't you? If you're not really careful, you'll get covered in the shit as it rolls downhill, and that's what the Australian people have been covered with. Shit. Legislated into legislation through both houses of federal parliament by successive governments of all political hues which are doing the best they can to manipulate us and control us. Look at the, uh, the, the, um, the was it, mega data laws. Look at, the, look at what Mr Dutton's latest plan, you know, of having a central register facial recognition features of every Australian, you know, on this central data. Look at the way 
that the spooks in this country, the spies from the various 25, 25 different spy agencies in this country, many designed to spy on legitimate political activity and cultural and social activity in this country, look at the amount of money they're given and the legislative freedom they have. I remember the good old days when the uh, Justice Lionel Murphy uh, raided ASIO headquarters because they weren't telling him the truth. And he was the Attorney General at that particular point in time in the Whitlam Labor government. So somehow you think you've got constitutional protections, think again. And if you want to make matters even more interesting, in the 1920s, when people's disgust with governments which sacrificed over 120,000 young Australian men on the European killing fields for the glory of God, King and Country, just refused to vote in federal elections. Legislation was passed, which forces you to turn up at your local polling booth on polling day. It doesn't force you to vote. But you've got to turn up and have your name ticked or you get uh, a fine. And if you have the audacity to go to the magistrate's court to find that fine, you, if you're found guilty, and 99.9999999% are found guilty, have a criminal conviction recorded against your name. I can see you on the steps of the United States trying to get into the United States of America to go to Disneyland. Obviously, all our listeners want to go to Disneyland. And, uh, well, maybe they do. Who knows? I don't care where people go. And you say, oh, you got any convictions? Yeah, mate. What's your conviction? Oh, it's a terrible conviction. I've got a criminal record. Well, what's your criminal record, mate? Oh, um, failure to vote. What? Failure to vote. <laughs> oh, sometimes I think, you know, as I approach my 70th year on this planet, I've, you know, I think it's time to throw it all in it's so ludicrous it really is and it gets better uh, i love this this it's even better it's, it's a great day it's a great day apart from that you know report from the children's commissioner um, very serious report which has been glossed over and shunted aside and ignored by uh, everybody in this country maybe it'll be commented on for 24 hours then it'll just disappear and we'll get the same report next year but it's a great day Mr Cordy Bernardi, the only representative of the Australian Conservatives is going to uh, hang up his shingle, I think, at the end, in about 12 months' time. And in July, he's going to deregister the Australian Conservatives. And I can see you all going, yay, 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 yay. Hey, I think your celebrations are a little bit, you know, a little bit early. Because poor old Bernardi... Poor old Bernardi, Senator Bernardi, has found out the hard way that the Australian Conservatives are basically wimps in comparison to the Liberal National Party. That they've taken all these policies. And the happy clappers in Federal Parliament currently under Caesar Morrison, you know, are instituting policies that our poor old Bernardi couldn't have even think of in terms of a reactionary policies. I'll give you an example. This is 
this is why I love living in Australia and, and as we approach 2020. Climate change. Now, I know there's a few listeners out there that think it's all hocus-pocus, it's due to magnetic resonance from the sun or God's indifference, I don't know. Now, look, I, I accept it, and I'll tell you why I accept it, because I, I believe in the Joseph... To, no, I don't believe, I know. I talk about the Joseph Toscano, that's right, me, climate change experiment. Now, don't do this at home, kiddies. It could be dangerous to your health and the health of living animals. Now, let's think of the earth. The earth, you know, it's a ball, right? Earth. And in the middle, there's a fire. And on the outside, there's a stratosphere. That's what they call us, the blue planet. And this stratosphere is a very thin layer which basically supports life, okay? So we are a self-contained entity. Although we're part of the solar system and the Milky Way and the galaxy and the universe, nobody else cares, okay? We are a self-contained system. Self-contained system. And what we do on Earth has an impact. Simple. So how do, how do we explain this to adults, let alone children? It's very simple. You can conduct this. It's, this is a very simple experiment. You get a glass dome, okay? You get, so you get a large glass dome. And inside that dome, you've got all this wonderful, you know, plants growing, okay? Food sources, on this wonderful earth, but inside a glass dome. Now, the glass dome is the stratosphere. The plants and the earth, well, that's the earth, okay? Into that glass dome, introduce Adam and Eve. Well, I think it would be illegal to put people under there, under the glass. It wouldn't be nice to put people under the glass dome, and it's even not nice to put mice under the glass dome, right? So let's put Adam and Eve Mice under the glass dome, okay? Now, what do mice do? They do what human beings do. They reproduce, and they reproduce, and they reproduce, and they reproduce. But you've got a finite resources. Finite resources. It doesn't matter how great your scientists are and how much genetic engineering. There is, there's a point where you've got finite resources because we haven't colonised Mars yet, although we'd like to colonise and exploit Mars and the Moon. So as the mice population grows, the food sources decrease because it's a finite resource. The atmosphere starts to be, you know, not very nice. Lots of mice, lots of shit, lots of smell, lots of chemicals. You know, one third of greenhouse emissions are from, you know, animals. And sooner or later, life under that glass dome, unless you intervene and remove the glass dome, is going to come to an end. And that's the story of climate change. There is nothing complex about it. You go from climate change to climate emergency and then you go to extinction. It is not complex. You don't need scientific papers. It is the nature of the situation 
we find ourselves in. Increasing population growth, finite resources, byproducts of that colonisation of the planet, and bingo, you've got a problem. Okay? Simple. Simple issue. But again, we find it difficult to tackle because of the nature of the economic system we have where people are going to lose a lot of money if we change the way we're going. But that change is occurring. So let's get back to what I was coming to. So now the federal government has refused to introduce measures to mitigate climate change. Or the you know, impending climate emergency. Although some people think it's an emergency now. I don't. I think it's an impending climate emergency. So what we see in North Queensland or North Australia is increasing the last cyclone, the last major cyclone was Cyclone Yazi. We've seen increasing intensity of cyclones which are creating damage to infrastructure and destroying people's livelihoods. The insurance industry, which is basically about gambling, you know, they gamble that nothing's going to happen, and if it does, they lose, is getting to the situation, the premiums are becoming so high that many people are not able to, and businesses are not able to afford cyclone insurance in Northern Australia. So the federal government, instead of embarking on policies to mitigate climate change, mitigate greenhouse emissions and encourage other governments around the world to follow these policies has decided to can you can you guess what they've decided to do they have decided to top up people's insurance the state has now decided the federal government has decided that they will pay climate they will pay Cyclone insurance. Maybe one year, maybe two years, maybe three years, but after a while, the insurance company is going to say, sorry, boys and girls, you're uninsurable. End of story. Whether it's bushfires, whether it's cyclones, it's an increasing issue around the country. So think about it. So what I'm saying is, poor old uh, Mr Bernardi, look, I hope he has a brilliant future out there. I'm sure he'll write a book or two about, you know, he'll cry in his porridge, you know, as he realises that the climate change and climate emergencies are real and that all that stuff about marriage equality was a load of garbage, you know. So once, you know, it was a load of garbage, you know, um, you know all that stuff they did to prevent Australians having their, their say, well, poor old Bernardi. Uh, the trouble is, he'll never rejoin the Liberal Party because he's too—he's not—he's not conservative enough. He'd be considered to be a, a raving, left-wing, radical lunatic in comparison to a happy clappers, which now dominate the cabinet. You've got—you've got two factions in the cabinet. You've got the federal cabinet. You've got the happy clappers, which Mr. Morrison leads. You know, salvation is around the corner, and then you've got the—I need more power. I need more power. I want to be Australia's first dictator, Dutton faction. So you voted for them. Enjoy them. That's all I can say. This is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Community Radio Network. 
it's uh, been an interesting day or an interesting week, an interesting year because the same issues that were faced by this country 10 years ago, we are still facing. And what we are seeing is an escalation, an escalation of the problems, of these problems, an escalation of threats of bushfire, an escalation in the threats of erosion, an escalation in threats of, uh, you know, of uh, pollution, an escalation in the threats to the marine environment, and the list goes on and on. At the same time we face these issues, we as a community, we as the Australian people, believing the propaganda the fake news and the corporate-owned media, and to a lesser extent the government guild at ABC, saw fit to re-elect people who have... They don't even actually accept the problem exists. We've re-elected people who would sell you a ticket in the last carriage on the last train to hell to make a buck, who are beholden, as we see on a daily basis with the accusations of corruption at a local government level, state government level, federal government level, we are seeing this huge crisis. But at the same time, we are seeing the anger which has been created by this crisis not spilling out into the streets as we see in Bolivia or Iran or Chile or Hong Kong, and the list goes on and on, or Sudan, Yemen, Egypt, the list goes on and on. What we are seeing in Australia is a withdrawing of the population into themselves, blaming themselves for the situation they find themselves in. We see an increase in rates of anxiety, depression, anger, inability to cope. Not just amongst people without disposable income, but also amongst sections of the population with disposable income. We are seeing the creation of society that has stresses and strains and fracture lines that is turning in on itself. Where our children are mimicking those same physical and psychological symptoms and signs which are enveloping the population to such an extent that the amount of antidepressant in effluent flow-off has a major effect on you know on fish life. Could you imagine that? That's how much antidepressants people in Australia are taking. And when it comes to drug taking, we are per head of populations one of the world leaders, irrespective of the so-called war on drugs. World leaders. So we're turning inwards on ourselves. We're turning inwards as far as the rest of the community is concerned. We are highlighting our divisions. 
We are eating away at our souls and our very essence as we attempt to cope in this situation. And people don't understand why. And our role as activists is to point out why we live in a society that is sick. And it's not sick because we're human beings and it's not sick because of population growth and it's not sick because of limited resources. It's a sick society because we have embraced an economic system which allows unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders to own the representatives that we vote into local government, state government and federal government every three to four years. We have allowed this to occur. It is time to break out of this game of self-blame, of blaming ourselves and our families and our friends for the situation we find ourselves in. This is the price we have paid and will continue to pay while we accept that corporate capitalism is the only means by which we can survive and prosper as individuals and as a community. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscani. If you want to join public interest before corporate interest, have a look at the website, pipsy.net, P-I-B-C-I.net, pipsy, P-I-B-C-I.net. Download the application form once we get 550 members, hopefully by July next year. Bingo, Federal Political Party. Let's put a cat among the parliamentary pigeons. We're not afraid of the corporate sector. We've got nothing to lose. They've got everything to lose. You can um, go to my Facebook pages, Joseph Toscano or Toscano for the Public or Joseph Toscano. You can go to the Public Housing Facebook pages, uh, Defend and Extend Public Housing, Public Housing, Everybody's Business, the YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, and the list goes on and on. You can go to the Anarchist Media Institute website, anarchistmedia.org. And don't forget, 3rd of December, Eureka Day, Ballarat, 10am, sorry, 4am, 4am to 10pm. Look at the program, go to the Anarchist Media Institute website, anarchistmedia.org, go to the Pipsy website, pipsy.net, go to my Facebook pages, the program is there. You don't need to ring anybody, just turn up on the day, Join us, reclaim the radical spirit of the Eureka Rebellion. See you. Well, I won't see you. You'll hear me next week. I won't hear you unless you email me or, you know, phone me. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week. Curtis, for all those wonderful people at the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Dot org dot au. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week, next week on your local community radio station. Here we go. The satellite's arrived. I'm leaving planet Earth. Mars beckons. Five, four, three, two, one. Blast off. Evil minds that plot destruction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 
10am every Wednesday. Listen to The Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.